It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Uh, the dulcet tones of Gary David bringing us in here on J.C. and Morgan, episode number 212, coast to coast, really worldwide. We've actually had some people that have tuned us in in Europe and uh, different parts of, of the globe. We love that. We love being international. Uh, and we also appreciate those of you listening within the great United States. Speaking of United States, uh, speaking of geography, we uh, sometimes never know where either one of us are, are going to be with our given schedules. Uh, JC is in uh, Studio South in the Palmetto State of South Carolina. So straight from Chicago to, uh, let's see, you're about <clears throat> a little more than an hour away from Charlotte. So you went from the home of the 0-2 Chicago Bears, and now you're on the periphery of the home of the 0-2 Carolina Panthers, and here I am back in the mecca of college football, Studio A, Atlanta, home of the 2-0 Atlanta Falcons. You heard me right. Uh, John Robinson paying off dividends. Desmond Ritter, former Cincinnati quarterback. When you watch an NFL game, JC, are you like me? Do you immediately you see a player and you immediately think, okay, he went to school where? He had this college career. Like That, oh, that I- always goes through my brain. Yeah, and sometimes, Mike, you know, I have to look it up. So, yeah, we all do. Uh, sure. So it's crazy. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's a it, Ritter. I knew him from Cincinnati. Obviously, I know where B. John Robinson went. The Falcons, and the Falcons were kind of the team of my childhood. I never got into the Panthers. Obviously, I'm a Bears fan. Now I realize that last year I was watching the Falcons and the Bears at a watch party. Bears completed a pass on third and four for a first down. That may have been the last time Justin Fields completed any pass of significance, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's and all I the coaching staff's fault, J.C. It's and, not Justin Fields' fault. It's the coaching staff's fault. They and I looked up the screen and went, yeah! And it was a natural reaction. So I realized that I've left my Falcons behind. I'll still pull for them, you know. Just, it's not, but it, and it's not like the Braves and White Sox. I'm still a diehard. If Braves played the White Sox, I'm all Braves, Right. I just pulled for the White Sox in the American League. I think Bears have flipped me. I think they flipped me. So uh, they I flipped I, you I, off. I hate to say well, they flipped me off. Everybody <laughs> in Chicago, they flipped them off. <laughs> but uh, but you know, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And, and sometimes I'm at the point now. I'm 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 so far I'm removed enough from the recruiting scene. It's been about seven eight years. Where it used to be, all these NFL guys, I felt covered them as recruits, and I knew where they went to high school. I'm getting kind of away from that now, so it's uh, it's sad in a way, end of an era. It is almost. sad, but uh, you know, I I just need to do some more research uh, with that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, around here, Justin Fields will forever be known as the guy that from Georgia signed with <clears throat> Kirby at Georgia, and but he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. And it's easy to say, well, how could that possibly be? Jake Fromm's just a bench warmer in the in the NFL. Whereas when you look at the, the career Justin Fields has had, I mean, first round draft pick, and obviously the, the Bears decided to make him a uh, franchise guy, but it, it so far it has not worked out particularly well there. It, it's there's a classic uh, kind of tug of war going on now 
and unfortunately, again, a lot of people, uh, for, for them, it's not even about football when they, when they enter that discussion, it, for whatever reason, it, it's like transcends into all of these other things, but it, ball is ball. Coaches want to win. Organizations want to win. They drafted Justin Fields to win games, but when you have a quarterback, <clears throat> that is so explosive on the ground, which he is. He ran for a thousand yards last year as a quarterback or right around there. Uh, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, what does that mean in the passing offense? We well, Is he comfortable in the pocket? Is he not comfortable in the pocket? Why are you keeping him in the pocket? Nobody's keeping him in the pocket. Uh, and not to get too far into the NFL, because we talk mainly college ball around here, but He's not Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you watched college, uh, there's only one Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is an alien in terms of what he can do. Now, and even Lamar Jackson, if you look at his playoff numbers, he's got a ways to go. Uh, but Justin Fields, I think the thought, the hope is, is that he can become what Cam Newton was, at least. Uh, but that hasn't uh, worked out so far. Just speaking of just random college guys, I mean, Puka Nakua has become a name now in the NFL. Just picked him up on my fantasy team. And I, I was like, I know that name. Where have I seen that? Where did he play his college ball? He was at BYU a couple years ago. He was at BYU. He was like a fifth-round draft pick. And now he's like a stud receiver for the Rams, putting up uh, insane numbers. So that's that's part of the joy of watching NFL. And again, as I've always said, I – Never understood the guy or gal that feels the need to separate the two. I, I, I can only like one. I can't like both. Like, sure you can. I, I, every Saturday for me is a joyous occasion, uh, a, a college football day, and every Sunday is a joyous occasion because you have countless hours of NFL football. I think you can enjoy the uh, the two as much as any sport. Like, I know most people – you're either a college basketball fan or you're an NBA guy, but you but you rarely follow both. Again, I'm kind of the exception there too. And in baseball, the college fans very often, I mean, a lot of SEC fans follow the Braves, but a lot of them are not big MLB fans. They're all about college. And then a lot of hardcore MLB, like Yankees, Red Sox fans, they couldn't tell you anything about college baseball. Uh, but football is the one I think that the gap is the the least – where fans love uh, both of them. And I tell you, Mike, one, one thing and one reason is the NFL's done a great job. Number one, they're a marketing machine, right? Oh, yeah. Number two, I mean, their whole league's designed to market because you have – it's designed for parity. You know, with the, everything from how they set up the schedule every year to the draft to whatever. Um, and then you have a little thing called fantasy football. Which we all know about. I think I played you this week, by the way. Um, oh, no. Uh, yeah, oh, it's not me. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I'm 0 2, so <laughs> I'm nervous about playing anybody right now. But then I got to hear I, about it on, on this podcast if you beat me. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm 1 and 1 right now. Anyway, Mike's Mike's team name's awesome. It's Bada Bing. I love it. Bada uh, Bing for Sopranos fans. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, Boach, by the way, Mike, you'd be proud of me. I have started watching. So uh, <laughs> I'm finally Thank catching you. up on that one. Hey, 20, better late than never. 20 and years. I want right? full reports. <laughs> but, uh, Fantasy football. So even even guys that don't really have an affinity, like college football fans, that don't really have an affinity for a pro team. Uh, like I mentioned, the Falcons. You know, when I was a kid, I 
I used to be really upset when the Falcons lost, but uh, it was during the Glanville era and all that. And certainly I wasn't happy when they blew the Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> you know, and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's not like the college teams that, that I like and, and all that. But but I think it still does draw interest because, like, my buddies who were basically big college guys and, you know, they, they may pull for the Panthers or whatever, but they're, they're really – they go to Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday and drink beer and eat wings to keep up with their fantasy football team. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think I think that was something that people don't talk about a lot. It's just added rocket fuel to the bonfire that is the popularity of the NFL. And then it's just the sport of football. We have so little football. You play 82 games of pro basketball. You play, mm-hmm. you know, 180 Two or sixty-two games in the yeah. pro baseball. You, 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 you know, same with the colleges. But man, you only get those seventeen Sundays, and then you only get those twelve Saturdays. You know, that's and right. So, and you cherish them. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, unfortunately, our podcast is going to uh, eight in the morning, or, or sorry, Monday morning, as we've announced. But uh, so I'm not going to get to go to many Bears watch parties at night. <laughs> anymore i'll have to do a little bit different that might different. be best for you and your future wife sometimes oh, bad I, things happen to jc after midnight yeah yeah it's it's crazy but you know yeah it, 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 there's a lot of like you know new, noon central kickoffs i can get to you know uh, the great thing about those bears watch parties number one they're passionate number two free food so it's uh it's, yeah. a, the bu- it's a buffet spread at halftime every single time but anyway uh, so yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I like watching the NFL and all that. I mean, obviously I prefer college, but you, you're right. If all the sports, when you're talking college V pro that those are the two where you have a most, a, a bunch of crossover, a bunch of crossover. And, and I think college fans now are more in tuned with where their alums <laughs> are playing in the NFL and how they're doing for two reasons. Number one, you feel a connection with that player. Right. So you want to see them do well in any walk of life. But if they can do so on the sport and and vocation that they have the most passion for, which is obviously football, man, that's just that's gravy. So if you can have a guy that had a great college career, then he goes on to the NFL and has a, a, a terrific career. Uh, you feel you're like you feel like you've got stock. You're vested in that guy. Number two, more than ever. And this is what I hear from coaches. And when I walk through the bowels of, of stadiums on my way to getting to the coaches' offices and meeting with them, and you look around, the thing that they try to uh, show off the most is their alums in the NFL because they know in recruiting every kid. Uh, I, I know there's some that are, that are 4.0 students and they'd love to be a doctor or a lawyer. Or they have that potential, but they all dream of being in the NFL. That is their number one goal. And when you're selling kids in recruiting, and I know obviously NIL has changed everything a bit, but uh, you want to go to the program where you feel like gives you the best chance of getting to the league. So from that standpoint, the more guys you got in the league, that are that are performing and shining, the better it helps you in recruiting, and that's part of the reason why you see the same top players going to the same schools every year because they see the guys before them going in the first round, second round of the draft, and showing up on Sunday. So it is a major recruiting tool. Winning over time helps you recruit, Mike. Right, but and here's like the the disconnect between some like kind of fans 
and the feel that fans get for what's important to them and then what's important to recruits. Uh, you know, if I'm a fan of school B, right, and we win the Orange Bowl, I'm thrilled. You know, so, say we never won a New Year's Six or whatever. Uh, and everybody like, well, now, now all the recruits are going to come our way because of this Orange Bowl. And it's great and blah, blah, blah. Well, and then maybe that same school has, you know, three top 20 draft picks. What's going to matter more? Well, to the fan, the Orange Bowl does. But to the recruits, the top, the three of the top 20 picks do. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you, maybe you're in a school, you go to the Orange Bowl, and you don't have anybody drafted, and you win. Uh, and then you have uh, your rival down the road goes six and six, but he puts, you know, three guys in the draft. Recruits are going to gravitate towards the, the school that puts them in the NFL. Now, it's, it's largely usually the same schools that, that produce the, the winning schools produce the most draft picks. It's just how it is. But, um, yeah, that, that means more. You know, South Carolina people you know, ask me all the time about what, what, what event had the biggest impact on recruiting. Uh, you know, was, was it the win over Alabama back in the 2000s or whatever? No, nah, it's probably the Jadevian Clowney going number one overall. And yeah. Stephon Gilmore being the NFL defensive MVP and Alshon Jeffrey winning a Super Bowl and Melvin Ingram being the highest paid guy on the D-line there for a while. Those are just tangible things that coaches and players, uh, coaches and recruits discuss ad nauseum. Uh, whereas maybe the casual fans just happy you know, they're happy for their alums and, and, and cheering for them and stuff. Uh, but in their heart, you know, they're happier with wins, you know, than, than maybe draft picks. Mm-hmm. Recruits kind of are happier and love draft picks more because that's kind of like, oh, hey, I could be that guy. So it is so important to have players drafted highly if you're any school trying to, to build a program or maintain a program, um, you know, and that's why Georgia right now is at the top of college football. In many ways, you know, that, that, that they are a recruiting machine and, and Kirby's elevated. It didn't have that far to go. Kirby's elevated it largely because they churn them out. They, 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 they not only have the best of the best recruits, they develop the best of the best. Uh, I learned that watching Kamario Lassiter, Mikael Williams, and some of those highly rated guys that are going to have coming out parties this year for the dogs on Saturday. So I, um, I'm definitely right there with you, Mike. That, that's why I made the hammer and nail sound signal here on the video because hammer. Oh, I was wondering what that was. <laughs> it's supposed to be a hammer and nail. And I'm like, maybe it looked like I was kind of conducting a band or something. You yeah. Know, but it's hammer, meat, nail. It's hammer, meat, nail. I was, I was cheering you on the side. Oh, oh I, I like, like that. Okay. Like, like Charlie Chaplin over here. But uh, it, was, I like uh, it. it was an outstanding. That's an outstanding point. Well, I, oh, thank you for that. I, and I like the, I do like that signal. I, now that I know what it is, I, I, I was worried maybe I, I w- walked into dangerous territory. Um, it's still, you know, it's a long show. Maybe I will by the next segment. But uh, Brett McMurphy uh, on Twitter the other day listed the top alums in the NFL, like in, which schools have produced the most. And it's the usual. I mean, if you look at it, it's Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, LSU. And my order might be a little bit off on that, but it, it's the same. It's the same schools that you see competing for the national championship every year. So <laughs> there's definitely a a causal effect uh, if you've got NFL talent. Now, obviously, coaching plays a role in all this, 
But if you've got NFL talent on the regular and you're throwing them out there every year, then you're probably competing it. And Michigan was in that list too. And obviously the recruiting has been upped here under Harbaugh. And eventually the, the, the theory is that Texas will get back up there and Southern Cal will get back up there. And, uh, some of the Florida schools will be back up there and they'll be playing in more college football playoffs uh, if and when that happens. Um, JC kind of teased a, a one thing just to program notice. We're recording this on a Thursday morning. Logistically speaking, with our schedules, it had to be that way this week. And, and yes, our, uh, our, our guy, uh, Jamie, who is so good with the Chief Sports app of kind of giving notifications to you folks out there that follow that we do this live now, not just audio, but video as well. I know he's had a situation where his dog has, has passed, and we're all dog lovers here, so you can only imagine uh, how hard that is on him, just like anybody. So we didn't have the normal uh, lead-up to this uh, program, uh, in case you were wondering, well, how come I didn't get my notification? I like watching you guys live. Please, you can watch us uh, delayed on YouTube on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can always listen to us without the video, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, whatever you pick your poison. Uh, we got a lots to get to. It's it's a big week coming up. There are six matchups with top 25 teams going against one another. That is the highest amount since 2006 when there were seven. And I'll be honest with you, JC, that kind of snuck up on me because some of the matchups, I mean, they just – they just jump off the page, right? Ohio State, Notre Dame, boom, huge. Uh, Florida State, Clemson, boom. But there's a couple others that you're like, oh, UCLA's top 25? I, I didn't know that. There's a couple that they're ranked matchups, but they're one of the teams is not as good as maybe we thought they were. But again, you got to fill out 25 teams. This is why I don't pay much attention to polls at this time in the year. First of all, they're completely irrelevant. The only poll that matters is the one that starts coming out, the college football playoff poll which is what late October, early November. I never get the date right on that. Uh, when it, when it's, when it's around here, I'll know. Um, but I, but the, the polls don't mean anything now. And, and as I've said a number of times, it's my opinion that once you get to that tier two, the difference between, for example, a program right now ranked 11th in the country versus 37th in the power index, there's not that big a difference. There's just not. There is a major talent uh, gap from the elite of the elite, and we know who we're talking about there, uh, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Alabamas, although Alabama has a quarterback issue, and that is always the equalizer, right? Like, you could be the most talented team in the country. If you don't have things right at that spot, you're vulnerable, and we'll see how vulnerable they are this week against uh, uh, Ole Miss. But, I mean, all these other teams that are ranked, you, you, you see, like, as a fan, you always want to see, oh, we got a number next to our our, our name. We're 18th. Uh, it doesn't really mean a damn thing, honestly. But it, it's nice to say you're top 25, uh, at least for that specific poll. But we'll we'll get into that. We, we, we always look back, and I know it's Thursday, so this is a little bit older news and what we're used to discussing, JC, and we'll get into the JC5 in just a moment. But the the over kind of arching thoughts on on week three, just some of the things I jotted down. There, there's a lot of what the hell's going on with the SEC out there just because they see these, these non-conference losses. Now, give Missouri credit. That's a big win against Kansas State. Again, 
Kansas State was, what, 15th? I don't know if there's that big of a difference between K-State and, and a Missouri team that was unranked at the time because if you watch those two teams play on the field, you can't tell me Kansas State had the the advantage on athletes. The best athlete plays for Missouri, a, a wide receiver who we'll get to out of St. Louis, uh, who will be part of our boss segment. Um, but but you had you had Arkansas losing at home to BYU, so that's another non-con Power Five. BYU is essentially a Big Twelve team now. Power Five loss. So there's a lot of that. Who's the best team in the SEC? I have some thoughts on that that'll probably go against the grain. The Bama quarterback quandary. Uh, I, I've been saying, JC, and you've heard me on this show and others, and, and we even had Bill King on this show. And I and I I love Bill King and and respect his opinion, but I thought he was over overly high on a Tennessee team that again, Joe Milton's not Hendon Hooker. And with all due respect to those two wide receivers, three wide receivers, they ain't the guys that they just lost to the NFL. And that, that to me, showed up on the field in the swamp. So we might need to pump the brakes on Tennessee as back as a national power after that performance against Florida. Uh, the obligatory Deion Sanders, got to give him some more attention in Colorado. Thicker kicker heroics. And, uh, oh, by the way, Mel Tucker, we don't have enough time in the program to get any deep into that, but needless to say, he's going to be out. The only question is, does he get paid any money on the way out? And one final note, I'll say for those watching us on YouTube or what have you, I pick a different stadium as a background, a virtual background each day. If you're wondering why the hell, why the hell does Mike have a high school field in his background that says Hornets on it? That's not a high school field in like, you know, West Texas. That is the home, that is Hornet Stadium. That is the home of Sacramento State. Kudos to the number two FCS team in the country and their win over once relevant, credible Stanford. The Cardinal lost by a touchdown to Sac State, which we learned on another show is uh, is the school that a number of prominent people, including Tom Hanks, went to. Use that at the water cooler later on today. JC, the JC5, as always, the morale of a great nation relies heavily on how this goes and what you've compiled. What is number one, sir? Oh, number one. So speaking of Michigan State, there's a I got a text from my buddy that coaches in the ACC today, and he was like, boy, Sparty's got a lot of good coaches they could possibly hire for this job. And I was like, yeah, they're probably a lot better than Mel Tucker to be if you want to get right down <laughs> to it, you know. And at the top of that list was one Michael Elko. Yeah. Elko, Elko. I like the name. That sounds like a, like a Peter Gabriel song. Elko, Elko. Not Elmo. Not Elmo, Elko. Elko. Uh, and he went on to say Lance Leopold, Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman, P.J. Fleck, Willie Fritz, Jason Candle, Huff, uh, Kane Womack from South Alabama, hmm. and Sean Lewis, the O.C. at hmm. uh, Colorado. So – uh, my question is, if you were a Power 5 job with an opening, would you hire Mike Elko uh, right now? Just uh, and, and you know, Obviously, he's not going to leave Duke three games into the season. But right. based on his mm-hmm. body of work, is he a worthy guy of a place with, with the highest of expectations? No question. Uh, and I say that having, having uh, covered Mike Elko and uh, and and done one of his games at Duke, and then uh, covered him as a coordinator. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of D'Antonio. 
uh, or D'Antoni. I always get those two screwed up. I apologize. One's a basketball coach and one is a football coach, obviously. Um, the, the defensive backgrounds, hard knocks, uh, no nonsense. I kind of think that's Michigan's Michigan State's DNA, JC. We talk a lot about DNA of specific programs. They, that That's kind of, to me, who they are and what they need to get back to. I don't know what they are under Mel Tucker. I realize Mel Tucker was a, was a DC and, and all that good stuff, but the, the Mel Tucker hire, look, it was curious at the time, the money, <clears throat> I don't care what other people make. If, if you got a sugar daddy, that's willing to pay that. God bless you. Uh, but clearly they're trying to do what a lot of programs have been doing lately, which is there's probably some buyer's remorse and there's no question. Mel Tucker did inappropriate, no matter what you believe, there, there's a he said, she said aspect of this story. And then there's a flat out Mel Tucker did some dumb, inappropriate stuff. And that's why they want him out. They also want him out because they know he's not a great football coach and they completely overpaid. Let's be honest. This is the kind of story that either goes away or gets handled in a different way. If you believe you've got the coach that's going to be generational and give you and, and bring you to great heights. And they know that's not Mel Tucker. They say they, everybody on the planet knows that's. I think Mel Tucker knows that's not Mel Tucker. So uh, th- that's going to go to the wayside. But Michigan State is a is a good job. It's a difficult job because you're always going to be behind Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in terms of just overall cachet and resources and everything else. Um, if you've, if you've been there, like it's a cool college town. They've got a lot of a lot of things to 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 like. It's a great great university, nice campus, but I don't think that that they're going to get their pick of the litter. And you mentioned a lot of names, JC, that already have high paying Power Five jobs. But if you're Mike Elko and your in your Duke football, has Duke ever won a bidding war? That's going to be the interesting things. I think a lot of coaches have looked at Duke as a stepping stone job. And Elko's going to be highly coveted. I think he's certainly one of the top candidates. You mentioned some great ones in there, uh, but I and Sean Lewis is going to be a head coach next year. Enjoy him while you got him, Boulder. Um, but but yeah, I think that would certainly be a very logical choice. Uh, if you can't get him, you know, choice B, choice C. Michigan State's a good job. It's going to get a good coach. It's just a matter of which one is willing to to take the offer. You look at Michigan State and, you know, past, you know, after George Perlis, right? Um, really, two coaches have won there, but, and, and Nick Saban won there, but people forget Nick Saban had a string of six win seasons in East Lansing before having a 10 yeah. winner at the end. They left and took the LSU, and, and, and that was smart. The, the guy that won there the most uh, is a guy that's back on staff now, allegedly Mark D'Antonio. All right, and Mike, he he was one of the best more with less guys in college football. Yeah. Um, Urban <laughs> Meyer even made the point when he got to Ohio State, he said, if D'Antonio offers a guy, he made his recruiting staff go back and rewatch and reevaluate the film because he was that good at spotting talent, developing talent, all that. So does Michigan State need a more with less guy? That would be Mike Elko, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. But and it's not because of what he did in Notre Dame or A and M as a coordinator. This dude was at Wake Forest coaching for Dave Clawson, 
And and one day I looked up and one one season, a season or two, man, you look up and wake. It was it was that year Wake and Virginia Tech were tied zero zero after regulation. <laughs> but one year you look Which up. It's a great wake, meme, by the way. Oh uh, with Frank Beamer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. They uh you look up and they have this awesome defense at Wake all of a sudden. You're like, how did they get a defense? They're uh, you know, you, you just kind of associate them with really good offense, right? And it was Mike Elka. Well, then he goes to Notre Dame, and they're really good on defense. Then he goes to Texas A&M, and they were elite. Um, and now he's at Duke, and he's proven to be a good head coach. Uh, as far as Elko and other places, not Michigan State. You know, let, let, A&M's talking about bringing it back. Uh, and Bill King asked me this on his show today. Uh, I think if I were A&M, I would hire him if I got rid of Jimbo. Uh, I think he's a good enough coach. I think he's earned it. He's familiar with the place. Uh it, but guys like him are two things. Like they're either guys that are just winners no matter what, like Urban Meyer. Like when Urban Meyer won with no resources at Bowling Green, limited resources at Utah, because Utah was in the Mountain West at the time, and then unlimited resources at Florida and Ohio State. Some guys win everywhere. Mm-hmm. Some guys that are more with less guys, though, you put them into a program that, you know, wants to recruit in the top five every year, you know, and they want it all. Right. You know, they want to be Georgia or whoever, like I.E. Dan Mullen at Florida. Great more with less guy at Mississippi State got fired at Florida because, yeah, he's winning. But, you know, you're not catching anybody, you know, to say from a talent standpoint. And so sometimes guys like that, when they get more resources, that they're, that, you know, that, that's kind of not their game. So that would be my only question about it. But I, I think I would. If I'm A and M or whoever, I'm Cle- you know whoever has an opening. I almost said Clemson. Uh, sorry, Tiger fans. I'm not trying to start rumors mm-hmm. there. Uh, if, <laughs> whoever has an opening, Elko, I think would be a great one. I, I think he's uh, nobody. Nobody had in the pool. Oh, you wait till David Cutcliffe retires and Duke football is going to take off. Yeah, think about well, that. Yeah, and, and and again, I don't know what the recruiting of Riley Leonard looked like. But I've said this now for a year, and sure enough, I look on Mel Kuyper's big board the other day. I mean, he's got him down as a, as a first-round draft pick. Like he, He's going to be in the NFL. Um, and when you have an NFL quarterback, you can win some games, even if you don't have a bunch of four or five stars all around you, which Duke never has. And right now, uh, that combined with Elko's defense and just his overall, he, he can – so much of being a college football coach is is being a CEO. He's and he's got the CEO uh, gene, if you will, and and was was ready for that next step. You know, somebody in the chat box mentioned I wouldn't hire uh, Matt Campbell. Th- this is the number that you need to know on Matt Campbell, and this is why you strike while the iron is hot. Matt Campbell finished number nine in the country in 2020. At that time, he was a three-time Big 12 Coach of the Year. He'd already had great success before Iowa State in the MAC at Toledo. Since 2020, where everybody wanted him, and he turned down some primo jobs in college, and NFL teams were knocking on his door, which is where I thought he would wind up. He's gone 12 and 16. The Cyclones are one and two this year. Um, yeah, Purdy's not walking through that door. Brees Hall's not walking through that door for whatever reason. Well, I'll tell you what reason it is. Iowa State's a damn tough place to win. 
and and it's hard to do it like you can pop for a couple of years but it's really hard to keep it up and and most coaches they know when they're at that job where they just made it pop they know that that's unsustainable if they're looking in the mirror and you put away the the ego and you put away just some of the overall confidence for a second and just take the overall perspective you're like yeah I did the damnedest I could, but I don't think I can keep this up continually. And you can't. No one ever has at Iowa State. So Matt Campbell's stock right now, I don't. it's not nearly as high, but I still think he's a good football coach. And I still think if you give him the resources of a Michigan State or somewhere like that, that he'll do good things. But whether or not his name is at the top of the list anymore, I don't know. There's just uh, There's just been a lot of humbling there in Ames the last couple of years. Yeah, All right, number two. All right, number two. Okay. He should have learned a lesson from Dan McCarney, who uh, took Iowa State to five bowls in his last seven years and, and got fired. Mm. So. All righty then. The number next thing. Okay, how good is Georgia? Just, I'm going to let you – because I, I heard your take on this on another show. Yeah. I'm going to let you, know, you talk on this one. Okay, so Georgia fans might take this the wrong way. I think Georgia's an exceptional team. Um, they're going to win a ton of they're out of conference is is laughable this year. But when they get in conference play, they're still gonna beat up and, and that much anticipated game in Knoxville, I don't know if it's as anticipated. I don't think Tennessee is the level of Georgia right now. Uh so I don't know who they lose to in the regular season. But if you're gonna ask me who I think the best team in the SEC is, I'm gonna go against the grain here because it's a team that already has a loss. <clears throat> I think LSU is the best team. I think LSU, uh, they've been my pick to win the West all along. And when I think, if they can get to Atlanta, and I think of a potential matchup, because they're going to play Georgia, I just I have more confidence in Jaden Daniels at quarterback than Carson Beck at quarterback. Uh, and so I, I think LSU, they'll be an underdog in that game. So I, I look, I know I'm out on a limb here. I think LSU has a really good chance of winning that game. So for me, the most complete team and the team that I, if I, if you make me pick who's going to win the SEC right now, I would actually say LSU. You know, Mississippi State's got South Carolina this Saturday, and of course everybody's down on Mississippi State after getting completely thrashed by LSU in Starkville. But if you watch that game, it was less about what Mississippi State did wrong and more about what LSU does right. LSU's a loaded team. I get it. They had a bad half against Florida State. They made some critical, uh, quite frank, quite frankly, coaching errors in goal line that you'd love to have back. Uh, but th- they led Florida State at the half on a quote-unquote neutral field in the state of Florida. It doesn't change for me that they're the best team I've seen play in the SEC overall. So I'll take LSU, but Georgia is right there. There's no question. And Georgia is probably going to, there's a good chance you have two teams from the SEC in the playoff again. Georgia will have a chance at that three-peat. They'll chase the ghosts of the 1934, 35, 36 Minnesota Golden Gophers led by Bud Wilkinson on defense. Yes, I did a deep dive on them. Um, but, But I still think Georgia, I don't see the same... I don't think they're quite what they were last year. And I'm not sure Beck is this. He's not the same quarterback as Stetson Bennett. He can make all the throws, 
but Stetson had a little bit of an X factor. So I'll take LSU slightly over Georgia, but Georgia's damn good, and they're going to win a bunch of games, and they're probably going to be in the playoff. I would just give LSU an edge. Yeah, well, a lot of people are saying that now. Um, does Pete Golding, being on Ole Miss's staff as their D coordinator, does that matter in this matchup with Alabama, Mike? I, uh, I, that, I mean, you know. Yeah, I think it does because Golding, um, you know, forget about the fact that he's he's got a little bit of a chip. Those two coordinators last year took a lot of flack, quite frankly, that was – I don't think most of it was justified, but it's Alabama. So you lose two games by a combined four points. It's got to be the coordinator's fault, right? So they got trashed. And and seeing Nick, uh, seeing uh, Coach Golding at the end of the year, he looked like a man who was just worn out with all of it. Uh, that's what Alabama does to to you as a coordinator. It, it is you. Life is great until you lose a game, and then it is fury to the maximum degree. So you get all that, and you feel all that, and you're not appreciated because even if you do a good job, well, it's Nick Saban's defense, so we don't need Pete Golden to tell us how to run a defense. Uh, so he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder, but more more than that, we know it's going to be Milrow. Uh, I think it's going to be Milrow the rest of the year after that tryout that took place in Tampa. He knows Milrow. He's seen him in practice for months. I mean, he, he knows what he can do, and more importantly, he knows what he can't do well. So yeah, I think I think that is an X factor in this game. Doesn't mean I'm picking Ole Miss, but I do think it's a factor for sure. I think it's it's it, well, you hit the nail on the head again there, Mike. Uh, I didn't do the hammer and, and nail, yeah, let me uh, do it for you. It, boom! There we go. There you go. Nice sound effect too. Uh, it, Working uh, on my Mike Winslow of Police Academy invitation. <laughs> it's much more <laughs> about individual player tendencies and how to. In other words, look. All players have weakness. Coach's job is to mask that weakness in a lot of ways or hide it. Um, knowing that, you know, knowing that, you know, that personnel, those weaknesses, you know, you can you can be a significant part of the game plan, I think. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, he's on staff, so he knows all the play calls and can guess what's coming. Bama's got a new offensive coordinator, right? Um, right. Yeah, and, and I doubt. I mean, that, that's a simple fix. Schools just switch up their signals, and sure, away they go. But but that personnel evaluation, being at practice every day, knowing what guys on, on the offense can do and not, um, knowing how to attack that Alabama offensive line. Quite frankly, I, I think all those. Uh, will help Ole Miss uh, put together a game plan. How about right. that old line, by the way, JC? You, you got three guys. This is a this is a lesson for all you fans out there. For years in the late '90s, early 2000s, the Mississippi State teams, uh, going back to what they had Jolie done on defense, uh, defensive coordinator, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I just I just had a, a, a mind blank on the head coach. Coach to Pitt for several years. Come on now. Anyway. Oh, uh, Jackie Sherrill? Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill's Mississippi State teams. They would always have the biggest, heaviest offensive line. And people, they, the first thing people do when they get ready for a game and they look at that, that two deep, man, they got this guy is 365 and this guy is 340 and this guy, they, they might have the biggest O line in football. But they were never the best, not even close. 
They were never the best in the SEC in terms of offensive line. My point is bigger is not better. Alabama has three guys that are 350 pounds, but they've got a true freshman starting. They've got youth and they've got issues. Bigger is not always better. This is not your typical Alabama offensive line. It's not your typical Alabama wide receivers. There's no Julio Jones. There's no Devontae Adams. Um, And it's not your typical Alabama quarterback situation in that it's completely unsettled. So with all that being said, I'm still picking Alabama. But I I, I just – I I still – that whole thing about people just get infatuated with the weight of the offensive line. Brother, I'm here to tell you – there's guys that are 302 that can block a hell of a lot better than 350. There just are. Try try blocking Micah Parsons with a slow fat guy. You don't want that because you have no chance. He's going to go around you every single time. Give me the guy who's 305 with excellent footwork so I've got a chance. I'm not picking specifically on those. I mean, they might turn into great offensive linemen in time, but right now they're not a dominating line. They don't have game-breaking receivers, and they have a quarterback quandary at best. So that's it's hard to believe that all happens in Tuscaloosa in one year in the day and age of the portal and everything else, but it's happened. And it's still loaded with talent overall, but they do have some issues. There's no question. Speaking of issues, this is supposed to be one of the best clips and offensive lines they've had in a while. Florida State has retooled the DNA of their defensive line quite nicely, I think, including adding Jared Verse from uh, the transfer portal from the University State University of New York, Albany. <laughs> Raise your hand if you saw that one coming. Um, what, what's who, Who's their mascot? I think they're the Retrievers, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, maybe not. If you uh, got but, that, that's next level. <laughs> ha! Ha! Uh, James Brown. Ha! Yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the boss. We'll get to the, how hot how hot is the hot tub? Yeah, it's uh so Florida State's D line, Clemson's O line, based on what you've seen, who do you got? This to me is the hardest game to pick on the board. I think Florida State's the better team, but for some reason, like this is a this is a referendum on where Clemson football is. Because if you lose this game. I truly believe some people just don't like Dabo personally, if we're being honest about it. So there, there's always going to be a, a I hate Dabo sentiment out there. But I truly believe a lot of Clemson fans are going to start turning on Dabo and they're going to say, we've clearly slipped. And Florida State has clearly usurped us as the power of the ACC. That's all sitting there just hanging in the balance. I promise you that's going to be the narrative. If Florida State wins this game in Death Valley, uh, that is all going to be said, and it is like a two, two-and-a-half-point spread right now, Florida State favored. To answer your question specifically, how Florida State got Jared Verse to come back for another year, I'll never know because he was going to be a first-rounder. Um, maybe the kid just loves Tallahassee. Tallahassee's a fun town. I spent a few nights in Tallahassee back in the day. The Moon was a nice uh, little dance club. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, – the, <laughs> I think Florida State's defensive line is going to cause issues. I I really do. I think they're going to cause issues against everybody. That's not me piling on or or knocking Clemson's O-line. I just don't think – I don't think you can block them without help. I think Klubnik, if you you don't – 
keep a tight in there, tight end in there, uh, some backs to chip. I, I think he's going to be running for his life. And if that's the case, I don't, I don't feel great about that. Uh, but no, make no mistake. It's going to be an outstanding game. And again, I, I don't think I'm overstating this. Clemson's fighting for their supremacy in the ACC. And if they lose this one, don't forget next year's game, of course, would be in Tallahassee. Uh, Florida State has got all the recruiting moment and everything else going. I think the game is is huge, and it's a referendum on just where Clemson football is moving forward. Absolutely. I'm with you there. This one and if there's a potential second one. But, man, Clemson Correct. with two, con- two conference losses, though, Mike. Uh, and there are Think other teams. This. Think about this, JC. If Clemson loses and Ole Miss upsets Alabama, which a lot of people are picking, Alabama and Clemson both will have two losses before we get to the final week of September, and they'll both be essentially eliminated from from contention in the playoff in September. In September, which these are the two programs that dominated much of the decade, right? And and they would be out of contention before we hit October the first. Isn't that weird? That's weird, I think, Mike. I think it's very weird and strange. Are uh, we on but, uh, Is that what that is? That was a time you would the... like to touch my monkey. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. I, I, I always laugh about sprockets, but I always slightly forget about, would you like to touch my monkey? Yes. And, uh, you got to be careful with statement. You say that uh, to the yeah. wrong person, you get smacked. Yeah. I've always said that was the time on sprockets when we died. So now oh, I, I always bust that out, but I remembered – in the middle of like doing something the other day, would you like to touch my monkey? And I was like, next time I'll do the Sprockets voice, I'm definitely yes. saying it. Anyway. For those, for those under the age of 35, this is when Saturday Night Live was funny, where the yeah. number one goal uh, of the writers was to be funny as opposed to whatever they're trying to do now. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about the fiance's team, the fighting Irish, the, the people that people love in beef sandwich land, Notre Dame. Uh, how much of a home field advantage is Notre Dame Stadium? And how much will it be Saturday night? This is a stadium. It's on my bucket list. I've never been to. Uh, and I had a couple of opportunities, and I didn't take advantage of it, and I rue the day because you don't know when that next opportunity will come. Uh, it hasn't been the best home field advantage because Notre Dame hasn't been the most dominating team. I'm going back. 20 years. I mean, I don't know what their overall record is, but they've lost some key games at home. And of course, last year they lost at home to Marshall. Let's not forget that. Um, but they're, they're, if, if this game was in Columbus, I think everybody and their grandmother would pick the Buckeyes. Sam Hartman and the fact that it's in South Bend is what makes this game such a uh, intriguing game. If you're you know, a gambler picking against the spread or if you're just somebody who has an interest in the game, like most of us, I think it's one of the best games of the year. This is why Notre Dame is never going to give up its independence, folks. And I realize if they were in the Big Ten, they'd be playing Ohio State anyway. But their ability to schedule games like this in September, whenever they want, or if they wanted to do it in mid-October, they've got that luxury. They've got that flexibility. It's it's the ability to do this and stay relevant every few weeks with a blockbuster matchup against whoever they want. That is why they're not going. And you say, well, what about money? They're going to get plenty of money in the next TV contract. I can assure you NBC is going to pony up and make sure they're not giving up uh, Notre Dame football. So all that being said, yes, it is an advantage. How big? I'm not sure it's big enough, JC, because I I think Ohio State finally has figured out their quarterback situation. 
Uh, he's got the best wide receiving group in the country to throw to. They play good defense. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the weakness is for Ohio State, other than sometimes they just seem to get bored with these non-con Mac-type matchups. So I, I think Ohio State's the better team. Hartman and and that home field advantage you speak of are the only two reasons why I give Notre Dame, Notre Dame a chance to win it. Aldrick SMA, 8.3 yards per carry so far this season. Now, they haven't played anybody super-duper, but uh, look out for him. Look out for that offensive line. Uh, as Lou Holtz used to say, Ohio State better play very physical in this football game. If you're not physical, you're not going to beat Notre Dame. And that's the truth. So it's time. I, my theme last week was man enough. I'm going to bring it back for this one game. Uh, Ohio State's got to be man enough to go into South Bend and defeat the Leprechauns. Uh, They're going up week. against probably the best O-line in football. Alt will be the highest draft pick of any O-lineman. He's going to be a top 10 pick. So, yeah, if Notre Dame's going to win it, that advantage has to show up. I mean, it has to be a, a major factor where after the game you're saying, yeah, Ohio State might have had more speed, but Notre Dame just just manned up and, and gashed them and, and were able to control the line of scrimmage. So that'll be interesting to see if they can do that. All right, a good JC5. I feel as if our country now has been boosted. There's a positive outlook on everything, and we've still got a positive outlook on the rest of JC and Morgan. Quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll go around the SEC, and we will break out the godfather himself of soul, the boss, with our boss segment. More J.C. and Morgan coming up. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time. The roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of 
materials and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. This is for our Atlanta listeners. If you're looking for the very best amenities in your gym, Lifetime Fitness is a cut above the rest. From expansive fitness floors to pickleball courts, indoor and outdoor pools, live spa and cafe, Lifetime Fitness has it all. Seven locations in Atlanta, including Sandy Springs and Buckhead. Mention you heard this ad and they'll go to work with you on a great rate for a shared co-working space, complete with conference rooms, quiet phone booths, and full kitchen. This includes access and membership to all the athletic country clubs as well. For more information, call 404-446-9475 or visit lifetime.life. All right, back with you on JC and Morgan. We're going to go warp speed to use a Spaceballs reference uh, the rest of the way, because we still have a number of things to get to, including around the SEC, presented by the good folks of Elite Roofing and Restoration for a free inspection. Give them a call today, 678-781-1998. You can also email them, EliteRoofingAndRestoration at gmail.com. That's for those of you in Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and most of Tennessee, uh, they will take excellent care of you. I've been a client of Jeremy Johnson's for about 20 years. And every time I've had the unfortunate situation of having to replace a roof, you know how expensive and overall tedious that can be. You want a guy you can trust. You want elite roofing and restoration on your side. JC, as we go down the uh, the lineup of games, your noon kick, Kentucky Vandy, I don't know what what to say about this game other than Vandy's coming off against a, a bad loss against UNLV. Uh, again, I like Swan as quarterback, but they still have issues. Kentucky hasn't been tested, and their best player just happens to be a running back that was wearing a Vanderbilt uniform last year. This is a this is a chance for Kentucky to kind of spread their wings a little bit. Their, their whole schedule at the second half is brutal. So it's like they're they're just enjoying the fine life now, although there's been some criticism that the offense, even with Liam Cohen, who thankfully is back healthy, has been a little bit stale. Um, but <clears throat> I, I think that's one of those sneaky, dangerous games if you're Kentucky. Remember, Kentucky lost to Vandy last year at home. That was kind of the uh, the punctuation on a disappointing year in Lexington. The other 12 o'clock game is Auburn, Texas A&M. And I want your thoughts on that because I got to be honest with you. I don't know what Auburn is. I don't have a feel for what Auburn is. Like they're, they're playing two quarterbacks. They're playing well. Um, I, like I just, I'm totally baffled by what Auburn really is. Like they're better than I thought they would be kind of. They, I need to see them do that against Texas A&M. And conversely, for Texas A&M, if you're Jimbo Fisher, do not lose this game at home. Don't do it, Jimbo. Don't do it because it, it's going to be seven straight days of buyout talk uh, across the state of Texas and beyond. Yeah, it's it's an interesting ball game for sure because I yeah I don't you know Auburn's one big quote unquote big non conference game came on at ten thirty at night at Cal and that was one of those. Uh, almost a hot potato game where they kept giving it like Cal was like, nah, you take the win, man. And he's like, nah, nah, you take it, man. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so 
uh, 14 to 10. And then they play two cream puffs. I mean, Hugh Freeze, I think, is a really good coach. Hey, he's good in this situation. And I'll, I'll say, here's why I think Auburn has a chance, too, Mike. Uh, since AM joined the league, Auburn's four and one at Kyle Field. Now, their one loss was uh, against AM uh, with Hart like two years ago during the Harson era. And guess who the DC, of course, was Elko. Uh, and I don't think Auburn crossed the 50 in that one. Uh, they just shut down, shut down Tank Bigsby, the Aggies did. Uh, they're seven and a half point favorite. I said today on the radio, I, I like AM to win but maybe not to cover. And it's that half that bothers me. I think Auburn's yeah. going to give them a pretty good game uh, just because I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. And I think those guys are playing with confidence. And keep in mind, Auburn also won this game last year in Auburn. Cadillac Williams uh, won that game over Jim. That's Lester. right. So, That's so, right. So they're not going to go in there intimidated by any stretch. And uh, we'll see. But we we're, we we will learn a lot about Auburn. And then we will learn a little more about A&M this weekend. It's kind of a – uh, the noon class is a very great learning opportunity if you're looking at the schedule for this weekend. Yeah, I I, see, I like a good noon game. People bag noon games. Uh, I, I don't want every good game to be at night. I mean, as, as much as I love the, the YouTube TV quad box feature, and believe you me, if I'm around a TV on a Saturday night, that thing is, is full blast. But I, I want something... I watch my game day from nine to noon. I'm I'm ready to go. I need a good game at noon. Get me excited about something, uh, other than again the Big Ten game of the week, which is which is generally hit or miss. Three thirty, we got uh, UTSA Tennessee. That's actually four, but the big one, of course, on CBS Alabama Ole Miss. We've we've talked about it, JC. Give me give me one key you're looking for in this game, Judkins. Well, yeah, what's just, his health? It, it, it's, yeah, that, that's the whole key to the game. You know, is it uh, you talk about Jackson Dart? He's off to a really good start, I think, for Ole Miss. I think uh, Ole Miss's win at Tulane to me is a, a little more impressive than beating Georgia Tech. But mm-hmm. you know, Ole Miss, it's not like Ole Miss has been beating up on, you know, their, their schedule's twice as tough as Kentucky's, even though it's Tulane and Georgia Tech, right? Um, I think. Uh, I think they've been tested. Uh, of course, Alabama's been tested, so it's two tested teams. But, you know, I, I think that if, if Judkins is ready to roll, he's healthy and uh, or can run. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's the run game, uh, definitely. And if Alabama can't stop them from running the ball, Alabama will probably not win the football game. I'll just be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I For some – I just – maybe it's just the – the allure of Alabama in these games and the I don't feel comfortable. It's weird because the point spread doesn't reflect the overall national media. The national media is the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban's reign is is ending. Alabama has no quarterback, blah, 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 blah. And then the boys in Vegas are like, no, still Alabama, seven-point favorite. (laughs) So I was hoping it'd be a low number and I'd be like, yeah, uh, I'm 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 all on the Alabama train on this one. You guys tell me how bad they are, and I'll I'll bet on Nick Saban. And I say bet. I'm not talking financially, but uh, I I don't know. I, I still think Bama wins the game. I still if and let me tell you this though. If Ole Miss pulls it off, now all of a sudden, like there's there's major talk about what Ole Miss can actually do this year. There's major talk about Ole Miss ready to take the next step uh, and actually be in the conversation for things 
like Atlanta and so forth. But I, I'm just not there yet with Ole Miss. If they prove me wrong, so be it. Um, Tennessee, UTSA, I mentioned that. I'm not going to talk much about that. 7 o'clock. Harry, here's the 7, 7.30 games. We got Arkansas, LSU, Charlotte, Florida, UAB, Georgia, Memphis, Missouri in St. Louis, and Mississippi State, South Carolina, South Carolina primetime on the SEC network. Uh some quick hitters first on Arkansas LSU, JC. Battle of the boot. Uh, have not – look, I'm, I'm a big Arkansas guy. I mean, I love Sam Pittman. Love what he's done uh, there. He did lose both coordinators last year. Um, just kind of, I mean, kind of an unfortunate loss to BYU uh, the other week. And they have not looked that good. They struggled with Kent State. So – it's a chance to go down there and throw more chaos into the league. Will they do it? I don't know. Um, it's early for this game, too. This game used to be on Thanksgiving weekend, or at yeah. least late in the season. Now it's, it's it feels a little early for Arkansas-LSU. but It does. But, hey, here it is. So, um, so there you go for that. I, I, I think LSU will win by a couple of touchdowns over the Hogs. South Carolina-Mississippi State game guys have to slow Joe Quavius marks. Uh, just like with Tennessee last week. South Carolina can't get into a ball control football game with them. Um, and Mississippi State's not that good against the pass. So Spencer Rattler should have a really good game at home at night. Bulldogs not won in Columbia for 25 years since 1998. It's their first night game ever at Williams-Brice Stadium, even though these mm. two teams were permanent opponents for 11 years. Um, you know, and and so uh, then you mentioned, uh, what was the other one? What was 7 o'clock? It was a bigger one. Or no, Arkansas, LSU, South Carolina. Uh, Missouri, State. Memphis. Oh, Missouri, Memphis, and St. Louis, which is kind of intriguing. interesting. I've been to that stadium. Uh, a friend of mine was the offensive coordinator for the New uh, New York Guardians uh, nice. when the XFL was around. So I went to watch yeah, them. Yeah. St. St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis fans showed up because they're mad because they lost the Rams. Uh, interesting um, interesting uh, dome there. You know, uh, and uh, it, without it, an it, NFL team, <laughs> nah, it, it, it holds sound pretty well. It's, it's not, it's not nice enough to have an NFL. I mean, you, you, I remember when they built it; it was the Trans World Dome. Everybody's like, "Ooh, oh. it's terrible." Uh, I mean, it, it's it's worse than Tropicana Field in Tampa, but uh, but it's loud. And so, uh, you know, Missouri, Memphis, uh, Brady Cook's health obviously is a big uh, factor there with the Missouri starting quarterback. But frankly. You know, a lot of Missouri fans will tell you they like their backups better. Wow, big surprise, right? So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I, I'm not – I don't have a, a feel that Memphis is going to give them a game like Middle Tennessee did. I, th- I think Missouri got a lot of confidence last week. They're a good football team, especially on defense, and I, I think they beat them pretty good. I didn't put Cook in my boss segment. I was too fixated on a kicker that hit an SEC record 61-yard field goal and a wide receiver who reminds me a little bit, and I'm not saying he's as Swiss Army knife as him, but he's got a little Debo Samuel in him. If you watch Luther Brown, the kid out of St. Louis, who is highly, highly touted. And that's the only way Missouri is relevant. They have to keep St. Louis kids in state and, and, and get those guys to buy in in Como. Uh, but Luther Brown is special, and he dominated that game. But I was going to say, Cook, how about this? They announce him in the starting lineups, as you would at any home stadium. He gets booed. It's like a chorus of boos. 
and he played a good football like Missouri. Come on, man. I mean, we, we, you know, what, what do you want? I mean, he's he, he's not bad. He's not great. I mean, he's but he played a good game. And Missouri's three and zero. I mean, an embattled coach and embattled quarterback. They needed that win, and they did everything they could to make that field goal longer and more chaotic with a silly penalty, and just it just looked completely uh, janky at the end. And then the thicker kicker, one of my favorite nicknames, uh, Harrison Mevis, no relation to Harrison Butthead, um, Mevis and Butthead, the, uh, he hits a 61-yarder, and it was like, what just happened? So good for them in, uh, in Como. All right, that's your Around the SEC slate. Quick break. We'll come back with the boss, look ahead, and wrap things up on another installment of J.C. and Morgan. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique, that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals.
All right, back with you here on JC and Morgan. Yes, there he is at the top of the screen, channeling our inner godfather of soul, James Brown, the boss. Who was the boss this past weekend? Tell you what, this is a great year for wide receivers in the SEC. Malik Neighbors of LSU against Mississippi State. About 13 catches, 239 yards, and two touchdowns. They simply could not cover him at all. It didn't matter what they did. You can make a case he's the best wideout in the league, if not the country. Um, no, I won't say the country because I do think Harrison of Ohio State is number one. Malik Neighbors is definitely one of the best in the country and bald on Saturday for sure. He was the boss. So was Luther Brown of Missouri. I mentioned him. Uh, yep. I, I said I said Luther Brown earlier, and I think you copied me. Luther Burden. Burden, I'm sorry. Yes, the correct. Beast of Burden. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Luther Burden. Beast yeah. of Burden. Very nice. Old bet Midler. Seven receptions, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, again, he he's, he's like 5'11", but he's thick, he's strong, incredibly elusive. He's got a Debo Samuel-type build uh, and is just a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. Luther Burden of Missouri. Don't want to leave out the running backs. Trevor Etienne of Florida, 23 carries, 172 yards, and one touchdown against Tennessee. That's what Billy Napier Ball wants to look like, the final product. They're not all about air raid or anything like that. They want to control the line. They want to win the battle on the ground. And they were able to do that against Tennessee. And I think Tennessee got exposed a little bit. Still a very good football team. But you don't lose what they lost on offense, not to mention their offensive coordinator uh, gone as well, without having a little bit of a drop-off. And and I think that drop-off showed itself in that game in the Swamp. Michael Penix Jr., I mean, we could put him on here almost every week. And I realize Washington doesn't get the same type of run that other programs do, but they're playing great football, and he's been virtually unstoppable. 473 yards, four touchdowns for Penix, who could very well be a Heisman Trophy finalist by the end of the year. The thicker kicker, Harrison Mevis, who goes about 5'11", 240. Uh, He just rolled up there and nailed a 61-yarder as time expired to beat 15th-ranked Kansas State. Uh, Caden Bennett. Well, Caden Bennett threw for 279, a touchdown. He ran for 100 and a touchdown. Who's that? That's the quarterback of your beloved Hornets of Sacramento State of the Big Sky Conference as they knocked off Stanford 30-23. to Kudos to Caden Bennett. I'd love to give you more background on Caden Bennett. Not even a Wikipedia search would help me on that. I just know he was big against the Cardinal. Uh, Jake Dickert. Jake Dickert is the head coach of Washington State, one of those two programs in the abyss uh, of what's left of the Pac-2 conference. And by the way, stop with the relegation stuff. That's not going to – I refuse to believe that's going to happen. Or if you have a bad year, then you get booted to the Mountain West. If you're the Mountain West commissioner, you really think that's a good idea? Yeah, you suck so bad, so we, you got to play in the Mountain West. But we're happy that, about this relegation rule. I don't see that happening with all my beloved soccer fans out there. But Jake Dickert of Washington State, now 3-0. and uh, They swept Wisconsin on a home-and-home the last two years. They're 13-9 and since he took over with the whole COVID scandal with the last guy. He's 40 years old. He's done a hell of a job there. Uh, so kudos to Coach Dickert and Wazoo. And that is the boss.
JC, you're a boss in your own way. Did I miss anybody? I love the boss. Uh, uh, screen door slams. Jerry's just wait. I don't know that one. She dances cross porch. There's a radio place. It's uh, Bruce Springsteen, man. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's the, the other. The well, other boss. Yeah. That's... <laughs> the Godfather is sold to me. <laughs> and the name of the I... song is The Boss. Hence The Boss. I'm not thinking Bruce right now. I'm thinking, I, thinking JB. I just had a Benicio del Toro, del Toro <laughs> in um in the usual suspects moment there, where I'm just basically mumbling something and grunting. <laughs> That's all right. All right, give me the keys. I said I flipped him. I said I flipped him. So anyway, that is a great segment, Mike. The boss segment. Uh, we 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 enjoy the boss, and uh, again, we enjoy uh, chicken cock bourbon, originated in Paris, Kentucky. Find chicken cock near you on the Chief Sports app. One of the fastest growing bourbons in the U.S. Smooth, little to no aftertaste or bite. Serving J.C. and Morgan. Get your chicken cock today. Serve your game day with chicken cock. Proudly made in Kentucky, but South Carolina owned. Uh, wrapping things up here. On another install, we did have an email on the mail, but we had a few. And I'll get to more of the uh, emails next week. I promise. Again, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to have a regular Monday morning drill here with JC and Morgan. But somebody was asking about the uh, the hit on you know Travis Hunter of Colorado and the young man. It was clearly a late hit. It was it clearly deserved the flag. A uh, couple things, and the, the he wasn't obnoxious about it. The, he just asked. Why is he not being suspended? I mean, it's a fair question, but even even Dion said like that's part of football. Like this is not the most egregious things I've ever seen on a college football field. Like if you watched, if you watched some nasty defenses over time, uh, you get you try to get away with late hits on the quarterback. You try to bang them up. You hit to the echo of the whistle. I mean, that was always Mickey Andrews' philosophy at Florida State and other defensive coordinators. It is a cheap shot. It's bad. The kid regrets it. There's been apologies issued. If you're a grown man and you're giving death threats to a college kid over that, shame on you. You are beyond pathetic, and you need to seek therapy immediately. I, I don't know how. I don't know how much greater I can say that. Um, but one other point too, if you think you're anonymous, like if you want to rip a certain person on a message board or on social media, you can kind of maintain anonymity. When you make a death threat and you get the FBI involved, I promise you they're going to track you down. This is, this is, not, <laughs> this is not the same deal. So like if somebody uh, gave us a death threat, JC, I, I wouldn't even think anything of it, but when when you when you give a college athlete a death threat and you really seem remotely serious about it because there's some crazy you know what people out there, my goodness, you need professional help. You really ought to look in the mirror and evaluate your life. And I hope they track you down. That's all I can say. It's not. It's a game, folks. I mean, and, and now look, I'm not one of these people where it's like, oh, it's just a game. Who cares? No, I get passionate and upset and fired up about this game. This game means a lot. However, uh, other things that mean a lot that you shouldn't threaten to kill anybody over. Uh, well, just about anything outside of someone threatening your family. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't kill anybody over uh, having a fender bender. You don't kill anybody over accidentally bumping into your car. I mean, you know, that, that, that's, you know, that's the kind of crap that is. Uh, and there's, there's people that are crazy. I mean, you know, Mike, that every year th- there's an average of 1.2 uh, deaths because of the Iron Bowl. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, they, like like every year almost somebody gets shot and killed over that thing in Alabama. Well, we just had a fan die at the um, Dolphins-New England game in a brawl in the stands. Insane. Yeah. I mean, look, man, I sat in the stands at South Carolina, North Carolina, People want to know why I don't like to go to games and sit in the stands. I, that's why. I'm not yeah. bougie. I don't give a flip about, you know, being in a box or anything like that. But you're, you're kind of safer up there. <laughs> you know, I, 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 and it wasn't like college kids either. It was like middle-aged Gen, Gen Xers like myself and older yeah. and baby boomers. Too much chicken cock whiskey. Well, it's people that don't know how to handle their alcohol and people that have other issues. We all had we all had that friend. We all had that friend where like everything was cool when you hung out until he had too much to drink, and then he wanted to start a fight. He wanted you to back him up. And we're like, and I'm not backing you up. You're acting like an idiot. You deserve to get your ass kicked. Like, I, 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 don't be that guy, please. Grow up. I don't know what else to say. Don't. And but this is even this is a next level. Like I had to think. Some of these people might have been stone cold sober when you issued a death threat of a college kid over a, of a, a bad hit. It was a cheap shot. It was a bad hit. Uh, you know what? What do you want me to? What do you want me to say? What do you want to do to the kid? You just want to ruin his life? I, I don't. I mean, it's unreal. But you need to pay the price for making that bad hit, man. Uh, pay the price. I, I guess so, man. Uh, My appreciate- has a wrong accent because they're Colorado State fans. Yeah, I don't think they talk too much like that in Boulder. <laughs> yeah, my bad. That's Make, right. Pay the price, bruh. Bruh, pay the price, That's, that's a little better, yeah. Bruh. Although something tells me they don't, they don't sound like that either. If you're Probably deranged not. enough, to, if you're deranged enough to do that, I don't even think, I don't think these are college kids. I think these are grown-ass men um, who yeah. again, really need some help. The voice so, probably sounds a little like Richard Dreyfus, I would think. Just the voice, gone. not the look. Interesting. I think that's, uh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. That's not bad. That's yes, not, not bad. bad. Not a bad Richard Dreyfus, is it, Mark? Uh, all right. That's it for us. We we <laughs> went. We got it all in. We got plenty of, of get of stuff to get to on Monday. We'll be back with you then at our uh, regular day and time, our new regular day and time, which will be Monday mornings. Until then, for everybody else, including Mad Dog Phil behind the controls of producing this fine program for jc this is mike saying so long have a great weekend hope your team wins and we'll talk about it on monday